Hello, I'm Sophia, and Chris is not here. Welcome to the cocktail table. Um, so Chris is uh, in the midst of preparing for a family member to die, and he's uh, taking a sabbatical right now. It is his first family death that he's ex that he's dealt with, so he's having a hard time. And I want to respect his space and continue the show without him. <laughs> That's so terrible. But yeah, I've been sending him my love and trying to keep up on him and ask him how he's doing all the time. And I don't know if he appreciates it, but I hope he does. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> I texted him at like six in the morning today <laughs> saying, hey, how you doing? He's like, go to sleep. And I said, mm, yeah, I guess. But, um, yeah, he is having a very hard time with it. Uh, not just because it's his first, the first of his family members to pass away. Like, he has all of his grandparents and everything. But, um, yeah. I don't, I, I feel like Christopher does not has, like, separation issues, I think. Well, I don't know. Everyone grieves the loss of a loved one differently and also similarly okay Th this podcast is going to be about grief and death and i actually took a class on this so i feel a little informed <laughs> my collegiate experience would say so probably wondering sophia how did you take a class on death like how was that offered in your curriculum uh it was thanatology which is the study of death and bereavement and bereavement means grief, to learn that in class, um, is a minor that's offered at my alma mater. And it's more, it's, I think it's marketed that way because we have a really good nursing program there. And, you know, nurses deal with a lot of death in their line of work, so they should know how to deal with that. And, be, and have good, like, bedside manner and all that. But I think, like, everybody should take that class. That was kind of, like, the resounding opinion there were like a hundred people in my class, which was like the first time that had ever happened. Like thanato like URI is one of the only schools that offers anything that has to do with thanatology. I think I think my professor said there was like three or four other schools that do. So it was a very rare opportunity. But I'm really glad I did it. Um each week we would analyze it was like a one day a week class. We would take the week to read a chapter or two on different topics of death, like, like, uh, the process of someone, uh, who is suicidal, suicidality, how that affects culture, what that, like, the different levels of suicidality for a person, how that could manifest in somebody, um, other than them just killing themselves, I guess, um, how it's, a uh, social, emotional, and physical, problem that manifests in the person or that manifests in their life how it's not just like oh steve's suicidal so that's going to inspire emily to be suicidal because they're friends like no that's not necessarily true they might just experience like similar things or some one thing may set a person who's already on the path to suicidality off but that's just one part of what i learned in class that was definitely the hardest thing to learn for sure um 
Yeah, and then they offered a whole class on suicidality, which I was not prepared to take. And it was like a 10-person class, and they got very in-depth and personal. Was not into that. But, um, for anyone who did that, congrats. Um, you opened up to more people than I could. Um, but yeah. I say I don't open up to people, but I have a whole podcast about, like, mostly my sex life. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm trying to expand the content of this podcast. I'm I'm eating grapes, by the way, if you hear a plastic bag. Um, if you, uh, if you're ever offended by the sexual content of our podcast, I apologize. I'm just of the notion that sex should be something that is openly discussed. I don't think it should be something that's shunned other than for the, for like explicit or, um, sexual acts, uh, being described to a child. I'm not into that, but, uh, I think everyone should be more aware and open to discussing like what regularly happens to their bodies when they're vulnerable or in a sexual state with another person, I think that would limit the amount of, like, victimization and, uh, limit the amount of victimization and the amount of people who go on years in their life thinking they're less normal than they actually are. I think that happens too often and people should feel comfortable talking about something that everyone deals with and experiences. But back to death. (laughs) Back to death. So, another topic in class was people going into, like, what long-term illness is, like, what happens when someone dies of a long-term illness, what terminal means. Termical? Terminal? Terminally ill. That's the term. (laughs) I forget my professor's name. That... I was about to apologize to my professor for forgetting that vocab word, but I don't even know her name, so I don't feel that bad. Sometimes I miss high school because it was so much more personal. Like, I felt like I got to know the people in my classes and my teachers way more when I was in high school. Like, and in college, I got none of that. I barely knew any of my professor's names. And if I did know their name, it's because I really enjoyed their class. And I thought they were a good professor. Unless it was my death and bereavement professor. I think she just never shed it that often. A lot of the content of the course was also talking about how to talk to someone who's going through the process of grief and bereavement. Like how to accept proper treatment as someone who's processing grief or how to not just say, hey, if you need anything, call me when someone is dealing with the death. Like, I've definitely found that people, or when you see people are like going through an emotional problem like suicidality or depression or anxiety, it's good to, it's always good to ask someone who you know is having a problem, ask them questions about it. Like, like try to express concern or express that like you want to be there for them, not like, I know you you may mean it when you say, hey, if you need anything, let me know. But that's such a blanket statement. Everyone says it even when they don't mean it. 
And it's just, it's a script. And it's a script that is often disrespectful to the people who would actually need companionship when someone's there because it leaves it up to them. It leaves it up to them. And if you don't mean it, when they actually call you, uh, it's very awkward. But, like, when it's left up to the person who's dealing with the problem to reach out just because you gave the blanket offer that everyone gives, that you sh would be there for them had had they need you, it's, uh, it, it's not a very comfortable thing to ask for help. Ever. And that's just reality. It's not easy to admit, I have a problem, I need someone's help right now. Uh, I wish that was a more normalized thing. I like to ask for help when I need it, but I know, I know Chris doesn't, and I know that not a lot of people trust others or themselves to be of help when people need them so they don't ever offer it or extend, like, the invitation to be helped. And I think that's a shame. Because I think people would feel less alone if they knew they weren't. Like, I feel like people would be less sad if they knew that someone else cared when they had a problem. Like, when someone... I feel like some a lot of people, because we're not taught how to extend emotional help to people, it's not something we learn in school, definitely. Or it's not something we are regularly taught people don't know like they just get kind of kind of like a deer in headlights they're like i didn't know you felt this way or i did know you felt this way but i don't know how, what to say to you right now like i for anyone who feels like they have been caught in this situation or trust me you will be caught in this situation someday when in doubt ask keep asking questions just keep asking questions or express validation like keep asking like oh how did that make you feel like that must have been really hard for you how is your family dealing with that or uh what are you gonna do in the future um like how much did this person mean to you or like just keep asking like how they're gonna deal with it like keep letting them talk if they keep if they go on a tangent, let them go on the tangent. Just let them speak their mind and they'll probably feel better. And when they're done, I like to say, like, I'm proud of you for being so honest and I appreciate you opening up to me and, like, giving me the opportunity to know this much about you. I feel closer to you now and I'm glad we had this experience. Like, something like that. Not necessarily in those words, obviously, but... You know, I like to say something to that effect, and I like to think people appreciate it. I I like to be the kind of person people, like, go to when they have a problem. But I know that's not, you know, that doesn't work for everybody. Uh, so basically, I took a class on the psychology of bereavement. I am a psych major, graduated with a degree in clinical psychology, and I still don't fucking know how to talk to people when they have a problem. It's different every time. Everyone deals with different problems. And everyone handles their problems differently. So, like I said, when in doubt, ask questions and validate. And uh, 
like try to help them make like a future plan or if they don't want to make a plan for the future just say like well how are you going to be right now like what are you going to do today to make today a little bit better or how are you going to like handle your sadness right now you know like just <sighs> the point is to like let them know that they're seen they're appreciated and that uh they're being taken care of because they should be i think uh <laughs> since chris is like dealing i know chris has dealt with like other death in his life but this is the first like death in his family uh i <laughs> i feel like young people handle like death in their family very differently than older people do <laughs> when death happens to them like i have a few friends who like like, like every young person deals like, oh, my grandma died, or oh, my great aunt died. Like, your older person in your family died. Yeah, like, obviously when you're a teenager or something, like, that's, or a child, like, that's something you're gonna have to deal with, and that's, like, usually your first experience with death. But the kiddos who had, like, a parent die, or, like, a sibling die, they get, like, this air of competitiveness. <laughs> I swear to God, like, it sounds fucked up, but it's true. Like, I've met a, a ton of people who, like, their sibling die and they just, like, because they know that's, like, their, I'm different, I'm gonna shut down the situation when people say, like, oh, yeah, my life's so hard, or, oh, like, what's your, like, uh, ten things people don't know about me? They're, they're always gonna be, like, oh, yeah, my uh, twin died in the womb because I ate her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Or they're going to be like, oh, dad died when I was, like, six years old. He blew his head off. Ha, ha, ha. Like, like that's always going to be, like, the shock, like, oh, now you're the center of the room now. Not, like, I'm not saying that, like, people who experience, like, death of a close family member at a young age think they're better than everyone else. But as a person who has dealt with, like, not necessarily death in my family... But I've known people who have had death in their close family and someone who has suffered, like, abuse. I, I know there's, like, this little sense of power and, like, this little se sense of power you get back. You know, when, like, shit happens in your life, you feel powerless a little bit. You feel like your control has been taken away. You get that little control back when you get, just get to say hey, I'm reclaiming this tragedy in my life. Y'all can't relate to it. And I'm going to tell you my story because <laughs> it is shocking. And now I get to express it and you all are captivated because I'm different. You know, I don't know. I probably explained that and made it sound like really fucked up, but it's, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. And it's not a bad thing. So I knew two guys who their parents... <laughs> were dead and <laughs> their parents were dead and I was 18 18 and they were like a little older than me and we were drinking in my room one time at my parents house and <laughs> I'm like drunk they're drunk not as drunk as me and they start going back and forth and saying like you know it's really hard when like your dad like blows his head off when you're a kid and it's like oh yeah it's also really hard when your dad goes to prison well yeah well my mom has a terminal illness and she's gonna die soon well my mom was murdered okay and i'm like start crying <laughs> in the middle of these 
of these two guys. And I'm like, guys, they just need to figure out how to be happy. And I just puke all over everything. Because, like, maybe I was, like, possessed by, like, their mutual, like, dead family members. And I just, like, exorcism pea soup puked all over them in symbolism. Doubt it. But what if? <laughs> and then... And then they both cleaned it up because they were, like, respectful and they were like, okay, t uh, time to handle this situation. Because, yeah. And I was just too drunk to stand up. It was not a good situation. And then my mom's like, why are you guys running up and down stairs for paper towel? And they're like, Mrs. Sophia's mom, we, uh, she has puked on the floor because she has drunk. I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, get out. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they put me to bed, puke is cleaned up. And then I'm lying in bed drunk. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm so grateful that I have my parents, that they're both alive and that these orphans just took care of me. I get up and I go to the bottom of the stairs and my mom sees me and she goes, Sophia, are you drunk? And I go, no! And then I pee myself. <laughs> so show my mom how much I appreciate her. And I'm like, thank you, mom, for staying alive until I'm an adult. Now, clean up my pee pants. <laughs> and then I did, like, this little, like, spin swing dance in the shower to clean myself off. And then I fell asleep. Yeah, be be good kids to your parents and always remind them that you're always going to be their baby <laughs> by peeing your pants regularly. Me and uh, another thing about death that I think is really cool. <laughs> I, uh, anyone else know what memento mori is? Memento mori is like the process of taking or like making some sort of talisman or some taking some kind of object to represent immortality in itself and usually in the victorian era at least that was represented by taking like locks of hair or body parts or wearing certain jewelry that depicted like the finality of life like skulls or angels or whatnot or like wearing intricate locks of someone's hair or like getting like little paintings of your dead loved one's eye on a ring or something like that was a thing that was done back in the day and i think that's super romantic and something that we should bring back but it's very unlikely that we would bring this back in as high a demand because people for one don't die as often as they used to unfortunately kidding <laughs> like like back in the day people like, in the 1800s, people were just dying left and right. And to show that, like, oh my god, my husband of, like, three years before he died in the war, like, we really loved each other, so I'm gonna wear a lock of his hair and wear black for a year, and then I'm gonna get remarried because society says I can't own my own property without him. Without a man. So, so women, by the time they're, like, 40, walking around with, like, brass knuckles full of memento mori jewelry of, like, their man's hair... <laughs> Just clocking anyone that tries to rape him in an alley Jack Ripper style. And, like, it, it was multifunctional back then. But now, pe one, people don't die as often. 
And Memento Mori is not as significant and as transformed because of digitization. People can people have photos of their dead loved ones. They can hang a bunch of photos in collage form at their funerals or keep photos with them in little lockets or just on their phone to look at all the time. Or they have like the last voicemails or little videos of their loved one. Like it's way easier to remember them by today with like accurate depictions of what they looked like. Because back then they just had paintings. And and uh, no offense to artists of the 1800s, but those women in those paintings all look the same. So, like, they all got those, like, weird oblong angel faces and very soft features. No way everyone looked like that. That's just incorrect. Not true. And everyone who was 60 and above also looked like crones. Cannot happen. That's not how people work. Anyway, I think Memento Mori has to be reclaimed in an interesting way. And I think the way to do that is that witchery, witchcraft, Wicca is on the rise. Girls are just fucking witches all over the place. You know how many witches I find at bars on a daily basis? Like, if you want to find a witch girl at a bar <laughs> and you want to pick up a witch bitch, highly recommend because they will love potion or hex your ass and you will know where you stand in the scope of the universe very quickly. But yeah, if you ever want to find one, go to a bar on a full moon and then walk around outside with them and be like, oh my god, I think this full moon's in Pisces. And she'd be like, oh, a new potion? I'm a Pisces. <laughs> and then you'd be like, no, but like, I am a Pisces. <laughs> it's like, are you a Libra moon? Because I had a thought. I thought you were. She's like, oh my god, no, I'm a Sagittarius moon. Like, I am. <laughs> you know, you know those conversations you have with women? But yeah, witchy bitches. I think women casually wearing jewelry with skulls or bats or like uh, gothic coffin death related jewelry is gonna give leeway to people wearing more quote-unquote gothic jewelry that's just like you know their dead husband's teeth or something you know i think it's gonna happen people are gonna be walking around with you know those like little like crystal bead bracelets instead of that it's just gonna be like a row of teeth You'd be like, you know what? My ex-husband had, like, the best chompers around. He was voted best smile in high school, and now I got the best smiley wrist. You know? I think that's going to be a thing, and I am all for it. I, Me and my friend, my friend wants to be a mortician, and she... <laughs> I, th I, th I hope she does. She went from being uh, wanting to be a nurse to being a CNA, still wanting to be a nurse... Now she's thinking about being a mortician. And I think that's a great idea. Because the death of her patients was always, like, the hardest thing on her. Understandably. So if you, like, don't get to know them before they die, you can't get attached. Because then they're just, like, a cadaver in front of you. Like, you don't really feel as much. I don't know. You don't connect as much. You just connect and, like, okay, this is a dead person that I am making beautiful and accommodating their wishes for their funeral. You know, and I think that's beautiful. That is also something I considered for a career choice for a little bit when I was in middle school and sad. But I have, I have, uh, changed that idea. Maybe me and her will open, like, a funeral home business. That would be adorable. And I totally could lovely see that for us. 
my god we can open like a little funeral business i'll be like the on-hand psychologist being like i know you're sad and she'll be like i can burn your dad's body and they'll be like what and i said in a very nice compostable casket and they'll be like okay i trust you do them at very nice prices nice low fair prices and we'll have like a sustainability theme because that's also my thing and i'll make portraits of the dead body that they can make it there that they that they can display at the funeral or the wake i think that is a fucking great business idea my friend who you know who you are let's do that i'm gonna call her after this and say like i have a business idea <laughs> and she's gonna be like keep it to yourself <laughs> but anyway uh we want memento more of each other that's weird <laughs> Like, we've had this conversation a couple times when we're like, oh my god, bitch, like, when you die before me, and she's gonna be like, oh no, bitch, I can't survive if you die before me. Like, like I I I'm gonna die before you. And I'm like, no, bitch, I'm dying before you. I can't handle you not being in my life, bitch. And she'd be like, bitch, I can't handle you not being in my life. I'm gonna die first. How about we die at the same time? Okay, let's hold our breath and count to infinity. One, two, three. That's just what we do. And <laughs> yeah, that's just what we do. And, uh, but yeah, like since that's the conversation we have, we're like, okay, when you die, you're gonna like make sure my kids like don't fuck up my death plans. Like this is what I want. And for my future kids who will hopefully be listening to this podcast, I because this is my mental oh my god, this is my future memento more. This little podcast. My kids will be like, Oh my god, this is my mom when she was twenty-three and like crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna be way crazier when I'm like fifty, but whatever um yeah they're gonna be like wow like this is what she really wanted when she died when she was like 23 because she was like so adamant she was gonna die at 23 <laughs> i don't think i'm gonna die soon i did think that for a while but i think most people think that when they're young and sad that they're just gonna die soon i think it's good to be prepared that you may die at any minute because you could <laughs> i've had enough near-death experiences that are more comical than they should be uh to where like i'm just kind of comfortable with dying whenever that's kind of my policy like like i've been at death's door and he the death kind of like looked through the peephole for a second and i was like mm, do you want some girl scout cookies and death was like mm, not right now and i was like oh, okay and then i went home <laughs> but like when I was trying to deliver Girl Scout cookies to death, and he was, like, not having my ass, I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to call my mom and tell her that, like, death is thinking about buying my Girl Scout cookies. Like, I don't really want to call, like, my friends and be like, hey, like, I might die right now. There was no one I really wanted to talk to, and I wasn't scared of dying. So I was just kind of, like, at peace, I guess. Like, I was like, if I can't control that I'm going to die right now, I'm just going to deal with that and be like, okay, I did my best, so <laughs> take me, okay. And then Death went, no, Thin Mints aren't my cookie, and I was like, well, shit, that's all I got. Now, if I were a Girl Scout cookie, what Girl Scout cookie would I be? Peanut butter patty. I'm not sexy enough to be a Samoa. But I am 
thick and delicious and salty enough to be a peanut butter patty. That's me. Peanut butter patty at your service. Aren't they also called tagalongs? That's definitely me, though. <laughs> I'm definitely the bitch just like, I can come too, right? I invite myself to everything and then never know when to leave. Anyway, so dying. Um, <laughs> so, my, uh, so my friend, this is what I want my body to be done with when I die. So, I want to be, I want to have a unembalmed body. I want to have a wake at my home soon after I die. Just like me in like a little box, like a, like a nice box on a table or something. Just kind of like laid out with flowers in my house. And people come visit me and have like a little scarf wrapped around my head. Because if you didn't know, unembalmed bodies have their eyes usually wide open, their mouths wide open, and they just have a glassy-ass gray eye look on them. <laughs> so I would like my eyes closed and my teeth clenched shut. And <laughs> I'd like to wear a black dress because I like to uh, dress for the occasion in life and in death. And yeah, I'd want like my family members or whatever to come, like have a regular wake, but just like in my house uninvolved. And after that, I want my neck down to be uh, either just like buried in the dirt, given depending on the laws where I live, or just uh, eco-consciously incinerated? What's the word? Cremated. Eco-consciously cremated, just like a lot less electricity and coal and whatnot and, you know doesn't release like my toxins into the air and whatnot yeah and then you just take my remains and scatter me wherever feed me to birds i don't know that's gross don't feed my dead body to birds <laughs> don't give birds a taste for human flesh they don't need any more reason to eat us and be not real but but um yeah scatter my remains wherever or keep them in a box i don't care but my head is what's important. I want my, I have a hearing aid in my skull. I want that taken out and I want that given to my best friend who's a mortician. She, it's like a little like bolt, like a little like silver circular thing in my, like half, like a third of the way into my skull, but also like peeks out of my skull. Like, like you can touch it if you want. <laughs> touch it if you want. But yeah, she's gonna remove that from my skull and keep it, maybe make a weird ring out of it or like a little pendant. <laughs> so she can always talk to me and I'll always listen. <laughs> or like uh, mummify my ear or something. That, that was like a big thing that affected me in death. So maybe she'll keep like my nose or something. Just like something in my life that affected me or was like my signature thing and she would want some of that and I want the, some some of that for her but then after those parts of my head are uh <laughs> scavenged and preserved uh I want my skull skeletonized so it's just bone and I want that preserved in a cube of resin so I could be the weirdest resistant paperweight ever 
Like, use me as a doorstop, put me on your desk, keep me on a bookshelf, put me in your closet. I don't care. Just pass me on for generation to generation because I want this. I want my family line going forward to be fucking macabre and weird and like i feel like if you have a skull in your house that's like creepy but also like really intelligent to have like i seem like i feel like that's like kind of like an elitist goth like intelligent like uh, like count would have that and i want that vibe for my descendants so yeah that's kind of like the precedent i want to set forth in my family <laughs> so i'm gonna have that preserved as my skull uh, to keep, to give to my, like, grandkids and whatnot, but, um, yeah, for my friend, she has very beautiful hair, and I have not very nice kind of balding hair, so I want to make her hair into a wig and just wear it around, or just, like, or just have, like, locks of hair and just, like, you know, use it as, like, a ribbon or make it into, like, a necklace or something, you know, just have, like, her hair, because I think her hair is, like, so fucking beautiful, and I'm so jealous of it. Like, that's, like, her signature thing. Or I get, like, her tech, her uh, freckle prat pattern on her face tattooed onto my face or something like that. So I could be like, I represent Tolly now. And I'd be, like, hopefully old as fuck by that time. So I would just have, like, these cute little old lady freckles. One second, my mom's calling. Hello? Hello, Hello mommy. Oh, nothing. Just recording a little podcast by myself. Oh, who are you talking to? <laughs> My computer. <laughs> <laughs> What's the topic? Death. <laughs> What is it? Death. Both. It's it's weird. You can listen to it later. Okay. <laughs> So that was my mummy. Anyway, um, but yeah, do I have anything else to say about death? No. All right. Uh, wish Chris well as he embarks on his first endeavor into familial death. And, uh, yeah, if you want to send Chris some well wishes, uh, if you know me, you can text me. And if you don't know me, uh, you can message me on Instagram s-o-m-a-j-o underscore art or the cocktail table spelled the same way this podcast is spelled on instagram uh yeah if you ever want to like leave comments or messages feel free to post them there um yeah so that's the podcast uh r-i-p to uh the podcast and chris's family member goodbye